，鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。You are tuning back into the Ghost Island Media Network, home of the Garbage Bingers, and welcome back, Garbage fans. Your announcer, Nature Nate, is in the booth. We are at capacity tonight at the Hive Stadium in Taipei, Taiwan, where hundreds of millions of fans are ready to knock back some beers and their carbon emissions for a couple of hours. And I'll tell you what, garbage fans, I can't wait because tonight is the night for the greatest game ever played. Climate change. Boy, do we have a game tonight! In one corner is industry. In another corner is agriculture. In another corner is NGOs. In another corner. Okay, how many corners does this crazy thing have? Is this like a square, an octagon, a dodecahedron? Do you sometimes wish that people would follow climate change as closely as they do sports games? Well, there is actually a potential solution to that. Spoilers: It's also a game. Last fall, friend of the show Brian invited me to sit in for a climate simulation hosted in partnership with the Taiwan Youth Climate Coalition. It's called Enroads, which stands for Energy Rapid Overview and Decision Support. You don't actually need to remember that. It's just called Enroads. The climate simulation is a role-playing game. We use real data with a computer simulation, and we do a mock UN summit where you will actually role-play different roles. That's Ian. He's moderating the game as our UN special commissioner. You will be playing global leaders from business, government, civil society, and you're going to try and negotiate a climate solution to limit global warming to two degrees centigrade and ideally 1.5. And remember, 1.5 degrees of average warming is important and an ambitious climate goal because currently we are on track for four to five degrees of average warming. Even under a two-degree warming scenario, we will lose most coral. And in that four to five degree Celsius world, it would basically be the apocalypse. And also the other thing about climate change, everybody kind of have their favorite solutions, right? It should be this, it should be that. Here's Joe, one of the organizers of tonight's Enroads simulation. This is the reality: is that when people facing a very complex issue, then they all have their own opinion. How do you bring a group of people together to come up with a shared strategy? Does switching to biofuels help, or does it hurt us in terms of carbon emissions? What about geothermal? What about nuclear? What about if we just stopped fishing? How do we know over time that these actions that we take will, in the future, have the climate benefits that we need? So this game was developed by MIT and Climate Interactive and the Climate Change Initiative at the University of Massachusetts in Lowell. It's like a flight simulator that you compress the time. How your strategy will have impact on climate and the economy. If you want to teach people a new way of thinking, don't bother trying to teach them. Instead, give them a tool the use of which will lead to new ways of thinking. That's what this tool hopefully will do for most of you. Get some popcorn ready. Here's how the game works. There are a few players in this game: NGOs, government, business, industry, agriculture. These are people who represent different groups of stakeholders. Each team can propose one action per round. You may propose to add a new solution, which is to move one of the levers, or you could reverse a previous action that another group proposed. Some of these levers might be adding more renewable energy, or investing in nuclear power, or maybe even、uh, shrinking the population. We will then input the data into the simulator, and then we will see the results together. The simulation will spit out a number with how much carbon that lever reduces. We will continue this process iteratively until we either get to our climate solution or we run out of time. Are there any questions? Please begin. So, 
<clears throat> so we're in a large L-shaped room with a big projector that makes it look like we're at the actual UN General Assembly. People are broken up into tables, and each table has a little name card on it with fun little symbols like conventional energy, world governments, climate justice hawks, and uh, farmers. Yep. All right, so everyone's actually really into the game. I, we thought we would have an opportunity to kind of break in and ask people, but they're strategizing. They're taking it seriously. Okay, so I would like to begin with conventional energy. Uh, we're going to propose... Uh... Now, we won't give you a play-by-play -play of what went down that night. En-ROADS is a game, and it's something that you should go out and experience for yourself. It's also three hours long, so it's just not feasible for me to narrate that to you. But here's a taste of some of the policies that people can propose. And we propose to go for transportation electrification because we think Tesla is pretty cool. <laughs> We're the climate justice hawks. We are most interested in the largest lever possible for defending the future, and so we would like to raise the carbon price. Hi, we are World Government. As you already knew, we are trying to lower the population. We're going to invest in the technological carbon removal. So we are going to reduce carbon pricing. And of course, <laughs> some of their actions have consequences. So deforestation, let's try. Moderately reduced. Oh, what happened? Nothing. It's not as high leverage as we would think, right? Economic growth to increase. Yeah. There we go. Our temperature went back up again. I don't think this is the direction we want to go. So, a carbon price increase. Wow. That's 0.5 degrees. That's a huge difference. So this is a high leverage point. This is something that really can affect. Now... It's really encouraging to see so many people gaining an intuitive understanding of climate change in one moment. It really feels validating. So far, my observations are that everyone is really interested in working together. People seem like they want to solve climate change. Obviously, they're self-selected in the real world. Not everyone who goes to the UN wants to solve climate change. And I think that the information they presented is scientifically accurate, but it's presented in a really clear and concise way. I think it's a fun way to learn about climate change. It's essentially training them how to argue for more climate-resilient policies. Now. We're going to skip to the end of this game, because otherwise, we'd be here for three hours. So carbon removal. Yes. Whoa. We're there. Carbon removal brings us to two degrees, and the audience goes wild. So everyone, you did it, right? Give yourselves a hand of applause. Congratulations. We actually managed to do it. It's not something that's necessarily easy to do. So. From the experience that you just went through, what key picture, number, sort of graph, something that just you seem to have remembered in your mind? Anything that struck you? I kind of already held this opinion, but it does seem that some things matter a lot more than others. Lots of things matter and they all interact, but a carbon price, for example, does seem to be really, really effective. I feel very pessimistic about the future. <laughs> Yeah, it takes so many people's efforts to keep the temperature. In 80 years, to keep it lower than 2 degrees increase, what would be the lever to push people to move more quickly? Especially we have so many young people here, and you are the future, and you would be the people in power. Like what surprised me the most is that we actually did it. We are all very, very different stakeholders. We have different goals. And at the end, through continuous negotiation, we can really work towards common goal and we can achieve something. So I really think that negotiation is key here. Yeah, it's a very good lesson. Anyone else? I think these exercises are important because when you don't sit in a policymaker's seat, 
When you don't have to actually feel the repercussions of making these trade-offs, it's hard to understand the sacrifices that are necessary. Some industries will die. Some people will be affected. How do you manage that? How do you holistically think about it? Ian ended us on a message of hope. So we, we have the tools. Solar and wind are growing and getting cheaper. Corporations are investing in clean tech. Countries and states are stepping up. And the general public is becoming more educated and more engaged. Companies are taking action as well. 63% of the Fortune 100 companies have set up to have more clean energy targets. These are the real people that will contribute as well. We have people marching. People are realizing that this is something significant, especially youth. They are the future. They are the ones that have to take the actions and they are the ones that are gonna lose out on this. That's why we have to try and listen to their voice. So what can we do? Well, there's many different levels. Private and personal, you can donate money, walk, do little things, share your material goods, teach, persuade, support others. Organizational, we can share ideas, change processes, procedures, and create durable products. You can run for public office, create laws, and vote, protest, take part, change norms, change the systems, change the story that we're telling. All those little steps that you take contribute in a way. So we can do it, it's still possible, All right, let's take a quick break. And when we're back, we're going to hear more from people talking about the philosophy behind this climate game. Thank you, Omplexity, Brian, Joe, and Ian for inviting us to En-ROADS. And thank you to all the participants. You know, Brian is actually a patron on Patreon, and he contributes to this show. So if you want to make us come to your live show where you have a game simulation of an environmental event, become a patron. And even if you don't have one of those things, become a patron anyway. Because as I'm sure you've realized, climate education is going to help us save the planet. Because who else is going to stop industry and commerce, if not the garbage hawks, the garbage bingers, whatever we are. In the first half of this episode, we talked about what the game does. But why make this a game in the first place? Why not just a book or a movie or even a podcast? Why not a Dungeons and Dragons expansion? If there's anything we've learned from the last 30 years in climate strategy, it's that research shows that showing people research doesn't work. I, I, yeah, I agree. I want to introduce you to Drew Jones. He is the creator of En-ROADS, and we had a chance to talk with him to understand a bit more about what went into creating the game. Uh, so I'm the co-founder of Climate Interactive, which is a think tank here in the U.S. that works with MIT to develop the computer models for climate strategy, how to solve this problem. So you make these climate models, and you also make a game, like a simulation. That's right. Maybe I should, maybe That's I should right. call it a game. No, it's a game. It's a total game. Yeah, and the reason we do that is you have to create an experience, a visceral experience that touches hearts and minds. So we took this computer model and embedded it in a role-playing exercise that gives you the feeling that you're actually creating your vision for the future. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. I've been to COP a couple times. I've been to climate conferences. And yeah. I feel like you got that feeling with people who are normally not involved in that space. Yeah, so we've been to many of the COP UN negotiations. Everyone proposes solutions. There are 20 different things that can be proposed. And we simulate the effect of each to show what helps, what doesn't, and overall, 
that it's still possible working with your colleagues to talk about winning. We talk about losing so much in this movement. It is bad in many ways, but we should give some energy to what it would look like to put together a suite of actions that get us well below two degrees and actually avoid the worst impacts of climate change. Have you noticed kind of any broad trends about the ways that people or maybe different cultures approach the game? The main way that it shows up in action is in the way that people change their messaging about climate change. In particular, they get rid of the idea that there is a silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. There's no one thing. I think the better analogy is that it takes more than one seed to plant a garden. It takes more than one seed. We're going to need to take action in many different areas across the board. Even a carbon price, which would be fantastic and is being experimented with a lot of places, is not enough in order to get us well below two degrees. Let me just say that I really like En-ROADS, and I think this is a great way to engage people and teach them intuitively about carbon emissions and climate change. I went to school for years and years, and in some cases, my normal classes didn't even teach me about climate change. So being able to sit in a multi-hour workshop and be immersed in the politics, the models, the calculations, the different levers that are involved to help people get sort of an intuitive understanding of what works in terms of policies and technologies, that's pretty powerful. And because it's a game, you're far more motivated than, say, watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast. And people should go try this themselves. So uh, if you go to enroads.org, that's E-N roads, you can go play with it yourself and simulate what is the world if we did have a lot of wind and solar, a lot of a new technology, or even nuclear power where it's possible. Now the world is in a period of sort of great upheaval and change. What have you kind of learned over these past 10 years? How has it changed? And what are you saying now versus, you know, maybe when you started? The biggest change that that I've seen is a change from our team wanting to go and do all of the messaging and communications to a different mode where we're translating this tool into multiple languages, training people around the world in their countries to go and lead. Mm. That's the dream. That's the dream for us is giving it away so that our leaders using it in business, in government, Mm. in communities in all of these different sectors. So we've now trained 177 people, 38 countries. They've engaged 24,000 people. We have an eight-part training series. We have a test they take. They get a certificate. They're ready to go engage others. So that's the next step. Uh, My dream is that we have one person for every million humans on Earth engaging (laughs) others with En-ROADS. That would be 7,000. 700 people around the world, 194 countries, engaging other people to think critically about that there is no silver bullet, that it takes many seeds to plant a garden, but also that it's possible to fall Mm. in love with the possibility of winning this, playing with scenarios and dreaming and practicing advocating and being outside of yourself in this role-playing game that we find so powerful when it comes to getting people to get clear about what they can do to make a difference. So the game is great in that it gives you an intuitive understanding. And also it's important for a place like Taiwan, which doesn't really have the opportunity to necessarily join every single international or UN climate negotiation as anything other than an observer. Edward, Edward, can we ask you some questions? We talked to the Taiwan Youth Climate Coalition to find out why these types of negotiations matter for Taiwan. Uh, We're a nonprofit and we believe in climate action, especially from the youth community. 
it is true that Taiwan is not always invited to the UN. However, we, uh, Taiwan Youth Climate Coalition actually sends Taiwanese delegates to the UN Climate Change Conference every year. And it is exactly because we don't have the equal footing in the UN that we want people in Taiwan to experience what it's like to go through an, a simulation or a negotiation in the UN setting. So being able to understand the politics and the ideas and the different stakeholder groups that go into an international negotiation can give younger people or just give anyone an understanding of what's happening at this global stage. It's a good way of bringing people closer to what is a pretty opaque process. We do believe that all the people around the world, including the people of Taiwan, have a right to have their voices heard in the UN. As an environmental consultant and someone who tries to educate people on climate change, I really appreciate En-ROADS and the work that Drew Jones and his team have done to make a game that captures the nuance of different climate policies. Drew said that we won't find a silver bullet for climate change, we need silver buckshot. And that's something that I've included in my tool belt of phrases to use. There isn't just one simple solution to our environmental crisis. We're gonna need a big gun with a lot of different little silver buckshots in it. And by gun, I mean a collaborative approach to change. And by buckshot, I mean a lot of different diverse people working together to destroy a destructive system. And a diversity of approaches is important not just for actually enacting climate change policies, but it's also important for communicating climate change. Last week, we talked about not debunking a documentary. And I think that the important thing here is not that one documentary, one book is bad or good, but rather we need a rich and diverse ecosystem of knowledge resources. We need video games. We need fortune cookie messages. We need tweets. We need comics. We need so many different types of media for people to consume about climate so it can become normalized and embedded in their ways of thinking. If it's just treated as this niche side hobby that people have, it's never going to really gain the momentum necessary to make an impact on our planet. You gotta raise your voice for the broken ones who never had a choice. Speaking with the creators of En-ROADS, the participants, hope was a common theme that emerged when talking about climate change. But what does hope mean in the context of a planetary crisis? You know, hope is not a lottery ticket where you sit on your sofa and you hope you win. Hope is you have an ax and you break down that door that is the barrier to get to the other side. And that's actually a really good thinking. You have to be able to say, wow, this is a solution. I've seen this in the simulation. What actions can I take to support those different levers that I saw. I would redirect people's attention toward collective action. Join the civil society movement, pull together to build power, get arm in arm with people who believe what you believe about this and drive action through collective power. I think that's the conclusion. That's the conclusion of the episode. I'm Nature Nate, and this has been the Waste Not, Why Not podcast, recorded at Future Ward, a co-working space in Taipei, Taiwan. If you like this show, consider supporting us on Patreon. Do you have a question for us? Tweet them at us. We're at Waste Not Pod on Twitter, and our DMs are open. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Give us a good rating to let us know you really care. This has been a Ghost Island Media Production. This episode was produced by Yu Chen Lai, myself, Nature Nate. Our executive producer is Emily Y. Wu, edited by Yu Chen Lai. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. 
Now we're going to come upon David, who's a Patreon supporter, and he's not involved in the simulation, and he's just here randomly. David, what do you think about this? I believe that we are all living in the simulation. Thank you. Thank you for your brilliant <laughs> insight. <laughs> you want to do a Patreon plug for people to support our, the Patreon? The process of writing copy isn't this simple. You know? it, it's actually a very scientific process. You got to test every kind of like marketing spiel you got. So if you're asking me to do it right now, that's a little bit difficult. But I would say it's like if you don't basically sponsor Patreon for a waste not why not, like you deserve to die.